Hello, everybody. Yes, it's Dominic, and I didn't want to butcher Noah's, you know, usual intro, so I figured I'd just save you and bear uh, Noah picking on me uh, later on this week. But we are back. Uh, unfortunately, we had to postpone this week's special episode for our Who's Next Part 2 Lightweight Division to next week. We've had to postpone that now two weeks in a row. Uh, but Noah and I are trying to grind it out here. Um, some unforeseen issues and circumstances have arised, but we're still grinding it. Today, however, you are going to have to deal with just me. So bear with me as we go over the UFC Vegas 13 main card preview. But first, I hope you all have had a great week. Uh, I hope you all had a great Halloween weekend. I hope you're all safe out there. But I'm here to bring you all your favorite segment of every episode before we preview this Saturday's fight card, and that is the news. And there's not too much to discuss. Um, Really, it's just a lot of fight announcements, but no big, like, uh, rumors or drama, all that type of stuff. We just have some really good fight announcements, so I'm going to go through these four here, and then we'll get into the preview So first, and we kind of talked about this last week, Uh, for those of you that don't know, Mike Perry was originally scheduled to face Robbie Lawler at UFC 255 uh, on November 21st here in a couple weeks. However, Robbie um, was pulled out due to injury for that fight. Um, Kevin Holland threw his name in the hat uh, after his victory on Saturday and even before he fought Saturday. But it looks like Mike Perry is going to actually be facing Tim Means, who is 30-12 and 12 with one draw. This is going to be an absolute brawl, an absolute slugfest. So no matter who gets put in there with Mike Perry, it's going to be an incredible fight. But when you match two guys together like this, that's going to be fireworks. Again, this is going to be UFC 255, November 21st, here in just a little over two weeks. Should be interesting to see kind of where this falls on the fight card, whether it's on, you know, like a prelim headliner or if they squeeze it onto that main card, because as Noah and I have both mentioned, these last two pay-per-views to finish the year out are honestly really good, and they're going to be very slept on uh, by a lot of fans. Next up, another fight added to the November 21st card for UFC 255, and this is a big one in the women's flyweight division. Uh, For those of you that don't know, Valentina Shevchenko, the women's flyweight champion, is defending her belt against Jennifer Maya in the co-main event that night. But it looks like earlier on in the evening, we have a big matchup here between Cynthia Calvillo and Caitlin Chukagian. And if you guys listen to our podcast frequently, you know that Caitlin Chukagian just came off of a tough loss to Jessica Andrade, uh, which was Andrade's UFC debut for the flyweight division. Um, So that was a big task for her. Jessica's now ranked number one in that division because of that win. Caitlin is now back to number two, and Cynthia is ranked fourth. Uh, Cynthia was also scheduled to fight Lauren Murphy a couple weeks ago at UFC 254. However, that fight did not end up happening because Cynthia tested positive for COVID. So Lauren Murphy fought um, a UFC up-and-coming debut Lilia Shakirova that day instead. But now, Cynthia gets an even bigger fight because she's fighting up to the number two ranked when Lauren Murphy, of course, is number five. Big task ahead here for Cynthia Calvillo, but really a way for her to prove she's next in line. 
um, after Jessica Andrade for the title. For Caitlin, she really needs a big bounce back win here. She's lost two of her last three. She, of course, fought um, Valentina for the championship not that long ago. Then she faced Valentina's sister and beat her, and then, of course, most recently lost to Jessica Andrade. Caitlin has also kind of hinted at retirement coming soon. She's kind of just taking her career fight by fight as she's looking to begin a family there. So this is a big one in the women's flyweight division. A uh, lot to prove for both of these women. And I would assume this would be on the main card because this is a very, very big fight. Next up, we've got a big one on December 19th, which is headlined by Hamzat Chemaev and Leon Edwards. And now I think we've probably got the co-main event set. This isn't for sure uh, the co-main, but this is definitely going to be a main card fight there. We've got Jeff Neal and Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Now, Wonderboy, of course, was um, offered the Leon Edwards fight and wanted that, but Leon did not. Uh, and then Wonderboy was offered Hamzat Chimaev, but didn't want that fight because Hamzat's unranked. So now he's settling against Stevens number 5. Jeff Neal is ranked 11th right now in the welterweight division, a division full of absolute studs. This is a great fight. Uh, Jeff Neal went through some pretty severe health issues earlier this year. Um, but before that was on a tear, he's on a five-fight win streak, uh, four finishes. His last three in a row was against Mike Perry. Then he uh, beat Nico Price, and before that, Bilal Muhammad. So this is a very big test for Jeff Neal, because if you can beat a guy like Wonderboy, you really are proving how skilled you are in the world of mixed martial arts. And for Wonderboy here, this is going to be his first fight in a long time. Uh, he last fought November 2nd of 2019, uh, so at the time of this fight happening in December, it's going to be well over a year. Uh, his last fight was against Vicente Luque. He did get a victory there, uh, but before that was on a little bit of a skid, even though he always seems to be taking on the toughest competitors. So this is a really, really important fight for that welterweight division, especially if you're Jeff Neal here. Because if you beat a number five ranked Stephen Thompson, you're going to catapult yourself into that contender um, talk. Where uh, for Stephen, you're trying to work your way back to a title. We know he's had two title shots before. Uh, both of those to Tyron Woodley. The first fight, of course, ending in a draw. And then he lost the second one. So this is a big one. I would like to see this as the co-main simply because that main event is also Hamzat and Leon, which is another huge welterweight fight. Uh, so this is a very, very exciting matchup there. And then last but not least, we've got a fun one for January 23rd, UFC 257. The card that is rumored to be headlined by Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, even though that is not yet confirmed. But we've got Amanda Rebos, who's 10-1, taking on the karate hottie Michelle Watterson, 18-8, coming off that big win. Uh, in that fight of the night against Angela Hill. Reboss is on an absolute tear right now as well. This, of course, is the women's strawweight division. Pardon me for not mentioning that first. Um, Michelle is currently ranked number six right now. Amanda is ranked number nine. She's on a four-fight win streak. Her last three over Paige Van Zant, Randa Marcos, and Mackenzie Dern gave Mackenzie her first loss of her career. This is an incredible fight. I really, really believe in Amanda Rebos. Her personality is incredible. Super genuine, super respectful, super sweet. Um, and the same goes for Michelle Watterson. 
there will be absolutely no bad blood here uh, in this matchup. That is for sure. So I'm very excited to see how this plays out. Michelle trying to work her way up still to become the mom champ. And now she's in that top six. Um, and for Reboss, this is kind of her fast track, I believe. Because I think if she wins against Michelle, all she needs is one more fight. And she's up there for a title shot. A lot of hype around her right now. A very big prospect in this women's strawweight division. Which, of course, is um, under reign by Wei Li Zhang. One of Noah and I's absolute favorite fighters in the UFC right now. But again, that's kind of all the news we have. Um, again, great matchups here. Four great uh, fights that are announced. Nothing else really going on in the world of MMA. Um, so we may have more to come uh, this coming Monday. But that's all I've got for you all today on the news. And now, it's time... And I know Noah's really hating not being a part of this right now because his boy, Tiago Santos, is back after over 500 days off due to some brutal leg injuries he suffered in that title fight with John Jones. And he's taking on the resurgence of Glover Teixeira, the 41-year-old wonder who's on a four-fight win streak right now, three of those via finish. This is a big one to determine who's the next number one contender for the light heavyweight championship. But before we get to the main event, we gotta break down the entire main card. So here we go. The first fight of the main card takes place in the women's strawweight division, which is what we were just talking about in the news. We've got Claudia Gadella, who is ranked number four right now, going up against, oh, I'm gonna struggle here. This is where I need Noah to pronounce names. Jeonin Yun. That's going to be my one and only time saying that full name there, so I hope you all appreciated that. Uh, Claudia is a true veteran of this division. She's 18 and 4, 2 KOTKOs, 9 submissions. She's 7 and 4 in the UFC with notable wins against Courtney Casey via unanimous decision, Carolina Kovalkiewicz via submission, Carla Sparza via split decision, Randa Marcos via unanimous decision and most recently, Angela Hill via split decision. So two of her most recent three wins have been via split decision. The Angela Hill one especially, I felt that she lost. Um, the Carla one, I think I leaned more toward uh, Claudia in that one, but again, when two of your last three are via split, you really want to come out here and make a statement this weekend if you're Claudia. Um, her notable losses, she's lost to Joanna Young-Jacek two times, uh, in the first fight, it was a split decision, and then the second time for the belt was a unanimous decision following their appearance on The Ultimate Fighter as coaches. Uh, she lost to Jessica Andrade via unanimous decision and Nina Ansarov via unanimous decision. Now, on the other side for um, Gionon, she is 12-1, 5 KOTKOs. She's 5-0 in the UFC uh, notable wins against Angela Hill via unanimous decision and also Carolina Kovalkiewicz via unanimous decision there. Um, she hasn't lost since her third professional fight, which was way back in 2010, so hasn't tasted defeat in 10 whole years. Pretty impressive resume here. This, however, is her biggest task. Claudia is no slouch incredible wrestling for this women's strawweight division one of the best wrestlers in the entire women's um mma 
in general for the UFC. I don't know how this is going to go. Claudia's, I know she's been winning a little bit, but they're all via these close decision victories. Um, but if she loses, it's also decision. She's not one to get finished. But when you have a, someone that hasn't lost in 10 years, it's so hard to pick against them. Um, Gionon is an incredible striker, very long, very lanky. Um, she's got a 63-inch reach. She's five foot five, whereas Claudia is a, a shorter one, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, she's only 5'4", and actually has a 63-and-a-half-inch reach. So they're actually pretty identical in terms of the metrics here. But I've seen this striking here from Gio Nan, and that's enough for me to give her the nod in this one. I think we get a back-and-forth fight. I think we get a decision for Gio Nan here. Gets the win over Claudia Gadella to start the night off on the main card. Next up, we've got a great fight in the middleweight division, 185 pounds. We've got Ian Heinish versus Brendan Allen. Um, Ian is 14 and three, five KO TKOs, two submissions. He's four and two in the UFC. One of those coming from the Contender Series. Um, notable wins against Antonio Carlos Jr. via unanimous decision, and also Gerald Mearchart via TKO. He does have some notable losses as well to Derek Brunson via unanimous decision and Omari Akhmedov via unanimous decision. Pardon me, I feel like I've already had about 18 different voice cracks, so you're going to have to bear with me here during this episode. As you can hear, the voice is a little hoarse, um, but hopefully you guys can deal with it. And of course, you're probably giving a good laugh at it too. I'll accept that. I'll take it. It's whatever. Noah, you're not allowed to make fun of me though. Just know that. Um... For the other side of the octagon here, we've got Brendan Allen. He's 15-3, 5 KO TKOs, 8 submissions, so 13 out of 15 via finish. 4-0 in the UFC, uh, one of those also coming from the Contender Series. So we've got two Contender Series vets going up against one another in this one. Brendan has wins against Kevin Holland via submission and also Tom Brees via TKO. Notable losses to Trevin Giles. Way back at LFC 52 in 2016 via submission. And also lost to Eric Anders, a former Alabama football player, at LFA 14 in 2017 via unanimous decision. Brendan has, uh, in 2016, this was of course before he was in the UFC, but I had to take note of this. I thought it was quite impressive. He fought six times back in 2016, which is just unbelievable. Uh, the only loss being to Trevin Giles. Um, and he's entering this fight Saturday night with a seven-fight win streak. Ian has shown a subject chin, especially uh, in his most recent loss. But Brendan is such a good submission specialist. I don't know if the subject chin is going to matter, but I'm definitely leaning toward Brendan Allen here. I think we get another really good fight. Um, this may even be my fight of the night. It's between this one and the next fight. <sighs> my gut's telling me to go with Brendan Allen here. Um, but I'm actually... Oh, man, he finishes fights, though. I'm going to go with a finish here for Brendan Allen. I think he's going to get the job done. Uh, Ian is no slouch, a tough task, but a big name for Brendan to make it into those rankings. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Ian is ranked number 15 uh, and Brendan is not ranked at this moment so this is one that's going to crack him into that top 15 I'm going to go Brendan Allen here second round 
Uh, man, he's got eight subs, five KO TKOs. I'm kind of feeling TKO here. I'm going to go Brendan Allen, second round TKO in our middleweight fight. And as I flip my page here, we get in to our third fight on the main card. We've got some action at men's bantamweight, 135 pounds. We've got Rayoni Barcelos versus Khalid Taha. Uh, Rayoni is 15-1, and 8 KO TKOs, 2 submissions, undefeated in the UFC with a 4-0 record. Uh, notable wins against Saeed Nurmagomedov via unanimous decision. Uh, he's coming in on an 8-fight win streak here. Khalid, on the other hand, is 13-2, 9 KO TKOs, 2 submissions. Uh, he's 1-1 one one in the UFC with 1 no contest, and he has 6 first-round finishes. I think if the fight before this with Brendan and Ian isn't fight of the night, uh, then I think this one will be in terms of the main card. You know how we always just pick the main card, fight of the night. I think we get a really fun matchup here. These guys have very good records, very similar records, similar experience. Um, however, 4-0 in the UFC with win over Saeed Nurmagomedov. Rayoni is no slouch. This dude is for real. I'm going Rayoni Barcelos here via unanimous decision victory uh, to get that win over Khalid. Again, that's our third fight of the main card. It's men's bantamweight. And now we get into the co-main event of the evening. Ladies and gentlemen, Noah's got two guys on this card here that are very near and dear to him. First off here in the co-main, we've got Andre Arlovsky. A legend of heavyweight mixed martial arts. A legend of the UFC heavyweight division. Taking on another up-and-comer. This guy just gets tasked with like a killer's row. Whether it be veterans or up-and-comers. And it's not getting any easier here. He's only getting older. And he's taking on Tanner Bozer. Who is currently uh, unranked. So working his way in. Uh, I'd say this one will get him right next to that top 15 if he can pull off a win. But we got to get into the nitty-gritty. This one's going to take a while because Andre's been fighting for years. He took up nearly a whole damn sheet of paper in my notepad. So, Noah, this one's for you, buddy. <clears throat> Andre, in his first UFC stint, went 10-4. and four. Then he went off to a couple other organizations, Elite XC, Strike Force, so on and so forth. And then in his second stint in the UFC, he is 8 Nine and one no contest. So his total record in the UFC is 18 wins, 13 losses, and one no contest. He's got notable wins against Tim Sylvia via submission way back in the day. Again, this is former heavyweight champion, by the way, in Andre Arlovsky. Uh, he beat Fabricio Verdum via unanimous decision. He's got two wins over Ben Rothwell. Uh, one was actually in Affliction back in 2008 via KO. And then the second win was via unanimous decision. That one was in the UFC. Uh, he's got wins over Roy Nelson. This was at Elite XC back in 2008 via KO. Uh, Brendan Schaub via split decision. Bigfoot Silva via KO. Travis Brown, TKO. Frank Mir, unanimous decision. And Stefan Struve via unanimous decision. However... He's got a lot of notable losses, too. 
and just li- wait till you hear these names because, like I said, this guy just gets tasked with a bunch of straight killers, and he doesn't even care. Notable losses, he's lost to Tim Sylvia twice. First one, TKO. Second one was a unanimous decision. That was a uh, trilogy, which was one of the first trilogies we had way back in the day in the UFC. He then lost to one of the greatest heavyweight fighters in mixed martial arts history in Fedor Emelianenko. That was via KO back in Affliction in 2009. Um, he also has lost to Bigfoot Silva. Uh, that was in Strike Force 2010 via unanimous decision. He lost to Anthony Rumble Johnson. Yes, this man has fought at damn near every weight class there is. Uh, this was at World Series of Fighting 2 in 2013 via unanimous decision. And then, listen at this stretch right here, folks. This was a five-fight losing streak right here that I'm about to name off. Stipe Miocic, greatest heavyweight of all time, TKO. Alistair Overeem, one of the most respected and legendary heavyweight fighters of all of mixed martial arts, TKO. Josh Barnett, submission. Francis Ngannou, if you don't know, that guy has tree trunks for hands, TKO. And then he lost to Marcin Tybura via unanimous decision. Those were five straight losses for Andre. And you can't have a tougher like stretch of fights there in terms of competition. He also has losses to Tai Tuivasa via unanimous decision. Shamil Abdurakimov via unanimous decision. Augusto Sakai via split decision in a fight that I know Noah for a fact thinks uh, Andre won that one. Um, and I would have to agree with him there. And then um, his last loss was to uh, Rosenstreich via KO, who of course now is the number three ranked heavyweight in the division. But now we've got Tanner Bozer, a young up-and-comer here, newer to the UFC, only four fights. He's 19-6-1, 10 KO, TKOs, two submissions. He's 3-1 and one in the UFC. Um, no notable wins, in my opinion. This, of course, would be the first one. Um, he does His only loss in the UFC was to Cyril Gain, who's undefeated at 6-0. and uh, I believe, what is he ranked now? He's ranked number 13. He's going to be fighting Junior Dos Santos. Noah and I touched on that one last week. Um, and he's got four first-round finishes here. <sighs> as much as I love Andre, as much as I respect him, um, this is a guy that, again, when I was a little kid, was one of the faces of the UFC in that heavyweight division. Uh, he wore the the fang uh, on his mouthpiece, had a, quite the charisma, had the long hair, had the muscular build. But he's just getting older, man, and it's so hard to keep competing with these guys, especially a guy like Tanner Bozer with a lot of hype, a lot of momentum right now. I'm going to have to unfortunately go against what Noah would probably want. I know, well, Noah might not even pick Andre here. But I know in his heart he wants Andre to win. However, I'm going with Tanner Bozer here. I do think we get a three-round fight. I don't think it's the greatest fight in the world, but I don't think it's going to be the worst fight in the world either. I'm going Tanner Bozner via a decision victory here. Uh, the biggest win on Tanner's resume would be this, and it can kind of catapult him into fighting a top 15 opponent next up in his career. And last... But certainly not least, a fight that we have been waiting on for a long time. It has been scheduled and canceled two prior times before this. 
First, it was a Glover COVID positive test. Second time, it was Tiago, or it could be vice versa, but you get what I'm saying. We're living in the middle of a pandemic. But third time's the charm is what they say, and now we're finally going to get it, and we're going to get it for five rounds. It's a main event. Number two ranked, or no, number one now, Tiago Santos. Number three ranked Glover Teixeira. Who is going to be the next number one contender at this light heavyweight division? Tiago Santos is 21 and 7, 15 KO TKOs, one submission, 13 and 6 in the UFC. Been in the UFC for quite a long time. Uh, used to be a middleweight, now of course is a light heavyweight. He's got notable wins against Nate the Great Marcourt via KO, uh, Gerald Mearchart via TKO, Jack Hermanson TKO, Anthony Smith TKO, Kevin Holland unanimous decision. Uh, Eric Anders, TKO, Jimmy Manoa with a brutal knockout win. And Tiago is the very last person to give defeat to the current light heavyweight champion, Jan Blahovich, and he TKO'd Jan in that one. He does have a lot of notable losses. Um, I had to point this one out because Noah and I are big fans of Vicente Luque. These two fought way back in 2012 at Spartan MMA. And uh, Vicente actually got a TKO victory there over Tiago Santos. Then he lost to Uriah Hall via unanimous decision. Yegard Musasi, the current middleweight champion at Bellator. Uh, that was via TKO. Eric Spicely, fresh off of his hype train from the, uni- er, from the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, that was via submission. Then he loses to David Branch via KO. And then his most recent loss, again, about 500 days ago, he fought for the light heavyweight title against John Bones Jones, essentially on one leg. Um, If you don't know, that's why Tiago hasn't fought in so long. He had his leg absolutely torn to pieces in that title fight versus John. I think he tore like his ACL, MCL, PCL, all the L's in your knee. He tore every single one of them. Had to essentially learn how to walk again with that leg. Um, and still lost via split decision. That means that one judge had Tiago beating one of the greatest fighters of all time in John Jones. And if you're a longtime listener of the podcast here, I guess we've not been a podcast that long, but you get what I'm saying. Noah and I both feel that John Jones is on a two-fight losing streak right now. Um, we feel that he lost to Dominic Reyes back in February of this year, and we both feel that Tiago beat him uh, back when they fought, which is kind of crazy. Again, we're talking about a guy that essentially blew his whole leg out, and I think it was the first or second round. And to still be able to test John Jones is absolutely incredible. That was International Fight Week, uh, so July 6th of 2019. Tiago has the heart of a lion, an absolute beast here. But the problem for him is so does the guy standing across the octagon from him on Saturday night. And that is the ageless wonder, Glover Teixeira, 41 years old, on a career resurgence unlike we've ever seen before right now. Glover is 31-7, and 7, 18 KOTKOs, 8 submissions, 26 out of 31 via finish. He's 14-5 and 5 in the UFC, notable wins against Rampage Jackson, uh, unanimous decision there. Ryan Bader, the current Bellator heavyweight champion and former light heavyweight champion. That was via TKO. Excuse me. 
he got a submission victory over Ovent St. Prue. A TKO of Patrick Cummins. Knocked out Sugar Rashad Evans. Uh, got a unanimous decision victory over Jared Cannonier. That, of course, was before Cannonier moved down to middleweight. Uh, he got a TKO of Misha Serkinov. A submission victory over Carl Roberson. A submission victory over Jan Kudaleba. A split decision over Nikita Krylov. And most recently, a dominant performance against Anthony Smith via TKO. And a fight that he had to come back in. Uh, Anthony was dominating that first round and the first half of the second. But after that, I felt Anthony really gassed. And Glover really put on a show there. Uh, you could argue they probably should have stopped the fight way sooner. If not, have Anthony's corner step in. A lot of controversy there. But nevertheless, an incredible performance. Uh, notable losses. Of course, he fought John Jones for the belt way back in the day. Uh, and lost via unanimous decision. Also lost to Phil Davis via unanimous decision. Got KO'd by Rumble Johnson. Uh, it was absolutely brutal. I believe Noah and I were watching that at B-dubs up here where we go to college. Um, I think it was McGregor Diaz 2, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if I'm wrong, correct me, but I think that's when it was. It was a 13-second knockout. I believe it was even an uppercut from Rumble Johnson. My God, I can't wait for Rumble to be back next year. Uh, he also lost to Alexander Gustafson in one of Alexander's absolute best performances of his career. Uh, that was via KO. And then he lost to Corey Anderson, who is making his debut uh, at Bellator the night I'm recording this, uh, Thursday night. But by the time you guys are hearing this Friday, he had already fought. Uh, he lost to him via unanimous decision. Like I've already mentioned, Glover's coming into this main event on a four-fight win streak here. He's trying to get one last title shot before he rides off into retirement. Uh, we could be talking a UFC Hall of Famer here, to be honest. His resume is quite impressive, and a belt would really, really add to that. Um, but this is a tough one, man. This is a toss-up because the I think the biggest question mark here in this fight, how is Tiago's knee going to hold up, right? Um, i got to give a shout-out to Chell P. Chell P. Sonnen uh, on his YouTube channel. He was talking about this kind of same... Uh, issue here with Tiago's knee being so messed up and how kind of a good example to relate to although I think this example is a lot worse was when Anderson Silva uh, snapped his leg against Chris Weidman and you know we were just like uh, can Anderson really come back from this and if he does come back is he going to be able to you know throw the kicks and do all this stuff that he's so known to do uh, Anderson of course has fought a multitude of times since then but not been the same Anderson I, to this day, think that's when he should have retired, uh, was after that brutal leg injury there. Uh, that's just my opinion. But uh, I I don't doubt Tiago's ability here. And it's kind of weird because Tiago's not that young either. I mean, he's 36, so he's kind of in his prime right now. Again, a lot of fighters hit their primes at different uh, points in their career. Kind of the same for the champ right now and Jan Blachowicz, who's 37, I think. But he's on a tear right now. Of course, the champion. Glover being 41 on a four-fight win streak. I don't know here. I think someone's getting put to sleep. But the problem is I don't know if Glover can put Tiago to sleep. However, Tiago has been stopped before. I really would want to know what Noah was thinking here. I know he's probably going to pick Tiago. <sighs> this is tough. This is really tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Tiago. I think he gets the finish. I think he's going to go in. Guns a-blazing. I think he's ready to get back to a title fight. 
I think a fight with him and Jan would be incredible. Again, that's the last person to beat Blahovich. I'm going to honestly go first round here. I think Tiago Santos comes out, gets a KOTKO first round over Glover Teixeira. I'd have to imagine that if Glover were to lose this fight, it might be time to retire. Um, of course, if he wins, then he wants that title shot first before he retires. For Tiago here, again, he's only 36. He's had a long layoff, so I don't think he's close to retiring yet, even if he were to lose. I, by no means, am counting Glover out here. Uh, I think Glover can put on a great performance. I think if we're talking technical striking, Glover has the big advantage there. Um, Glover does have power, but Tiago's power is kind of next level. He's got kind of that one-punch KO power. He's going to put your ass to sleep. Glover's going to get that TKO over you. I will say I'd be interested to see if this fight goes to the ground. I think Glover definitely has the advantage there. But, yeah, man, as much as I honestly, I want to see Glover win this, uh, it's hard to pick against a guy like Tiago, especially when I feel that he beat John Jones. I mean, literally on one leg. Imagine if his leg wouldn't have been torn to pieces. Uh, he would have been way more aggressive. Uh, so you can kind of only, that's just a big what if, right? And we'll never get to see that fight again, or at least I wouldn't think. So this is an incredible main card, top to bottom here. Um, we've got this fight night, and then we've got next week, which is headlined by uh, Makachev and RDA. And then we've, of course, got UFC 255 the following weekend uh, on November 21st. So that is my preview here. Again, this was kind of a solo episode. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully you guys got some good laughs in every time my voice cracked. But uh, this is another great fight night. Um, we can't stress this enough, you know. It's always big when we preview these big pay-per-views and whatnot. And obviously, like, the views and the listens will be higher. But these fight nights, I think, are just more important to us in terms of showing you guys how passionate we are, the research we put into this, uh, how much we care about this podcast, and providing you all with this information. Um, I personally have a blast. <clears throat> There's another one. Uh, I personally have a blast doing this, breaking down these fighters. Uh, breaking down how I feel these fights are going to play out. I think stylistically across the board here, um, we have a great night of fights lined up. I'm not sure um, what the prelims have in store. I'll have to give those a look. I do believe there's one really good prelim fight, if I remember correctly. I actually think Trevin uh, Giles is fighting on the prelims. But uh, this is UFC Vegas 13. It will air on ESPN+. Plus. I believe it's at 10 p.m., the main card. Uh, so the prelims will probably start at 7 or 8 o'clock. So we'll be tuning into those. And, uh, of course, that means we're going to be bringing you guys the recap of UFC Vegas 13 on Monday. And then, God forbid, we have to postpone Wednesday's episode again because we are so ready for this. Uh, Wednesday, as of now, please expect us to finally bring you Who's Next Part 2, the UFC lightweight division. We are going to have a blast with this one. It's going to be a deep dive. It's going to be a long episode. I can already feel it in my bones. Uh, so be ready for that one. It's going to be a blast. And then, of course, next Friday, we will have the UFC Vegas 14 preview show. Um, but that's kind of all I got. Again, as Noah's been saying recently, we're going to close the chapter here on hashtag UFC Vegas 13 preview episode on the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at dcelie14. You can find Noah on Twitter and Instagram at ntbaker underscore. 
And you can find our podcast on Twitter and Instagram at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And with that, I'm out. No, I hope you're listening because I'm about to kill this. Outro, I think is what they're called. And we're going to see you all on Monday.